Three, two, one. Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ Englert. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Loftus. Kyle, what's up, baby? Hey, what's good, man? How we doing? How we doing? Solid. We are also joined by our special guest for today, Zach Kravitz, a content creator and coach in Los Angeles. What's up, Zach? Let's go. What's up, boys? Yes. How are you? <laughs> Stoked to be having this pod with you all. Uh, for the listeners tuning in for the first time, we drop two episodes each week. The first episode is more of a lecture style where Kyle and I dive deep into new subjects weekly. Then for the second episode each week, we interview a professional who is a successful example of our theme for that week. With this week being focused on making money as a videographer, we had to bring in our good friend Zach to drop some knowledge. Zach runs a program for creators called the Creators Blueprint and helps creators take their game to the next level. So without further ado, let's dive into it, boys. And Zach, let's start out by learning a little bit more about you and how you got started as a content creator. Let's do it. That's, That's always a fun story. Uh, first of all, appreciate you guys having me. This is, this is a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, how did I get started? That's, that's always the first question. So basically I got started in the fitness industry and I was a personal trainer, loved, loved sports. Um, I played in college, played in high school. Um, but after high school, I, I, I didn't play competitively anymore. And so the gym was the next option. And so I got really into lifting weights and, you know, YouTube was a great resource and learning how to lift weights appropriately and things like that. And, and I found these fitness YouTubers that were just living the dream, right? The car, the money, the girls, you know, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. And as a teenage boy, I, uh, that, that was really attractive to me. I'm like, man, how, how are they doing that? And so I got into creating content for the wrong reasons, the reasons you don't want to get started at, at all. So, um, I, I, I was just looking for the spotlight. I was looking for the fame. Um, I was looking for just the audience without any kind of real purpose. When and was so, this? Oh man, this was, I think this is when I, this when I got started in college, really like my second year of college, I kind of started producing YouTube videos. Um, and that was back in 2013 ish. So about seven, seven or eight years ago. Um, and so I started making YouTube videos and I wasn't really passionate about the content. Um, you know, I, I, I thought fitness was going to be the move for me. I was going to become a personal trainer and I did become a personal trainer, but over time, as I started training clients, I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm really, this is just not for me. Um, and so (laughs) long story short, uh, I started to become, I started becoming more obsessed with the camera and making my videos better because they were so bad. And And so I was making these videos, making these videos, you know, I had friends, um, kind of making fun of me. And, you know, when you first get started doing something, you know, your friends can kind of poke fun and and make fun of you and whatnot. Um, but I just, I decided to just try to make every single video better than my last one. And over time I, I kind of got out of the fitness industry. And, and what's kind of funny is I started getting known for my videos and I started getting hired in the fitness industry to create video content for these fitness influencers. And so instead of me becoming the fitness influencer, I started getting hired by them to make their videos because I was so obsessed with trying to make my content better. So that was, that was kind of funny, uh, how that, how that kind of works out. Um, did that snowball from there? Yeah. And so I started getting a lot more clients just through the, the fitness industry. And then over time, I kind of just expanded and, and started getting recognized uh, by other types of industries and, and mainly uh, lifestyle entrepreneurs. I started doing work with a guy named Lewis Howes and started really getting connected into his network. And, and it just kind of blossomed and evolved from there. And it was really all because I just just made these fun kind of quirky vlogs that I just love to make. And I just try to make them 
where I try to make them just the best entertaining video that I possibly could with my current skill sets. You know what I mean? So, um, and then I had another pivot, uh, and this was about a few years ago where I realized that, you know, clients and, and creating content for, for other people is, wasn't something that really filled me up. And so, uh, back in 2019, this, the very start of 2019, I decided to not take on a single client and I went into the coaching industry and the online course industry. And I've been doing that ever since. And so it's, it's pretty much my story in a nutshell. Congrats. <laughs> story. Talk story. to us about maybe like the first real client that you had, you know, like what were you thinking? How did what kind of video it was, you know, like what was your thought process behind that first real client? Oh, man. Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. I think I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a good thing. But you're making me think. So uh, my very first client. Oh, man, that's so hard to answer. I don't really remember. I, I, I What about I like it, first big real video or something like that? I, I would say it was a wedding client. I would say it was okay. a, it was a wedding client. And I was friends with a photographer and he was doing at the time he was doing photography a little bit more professionally and actually making money from it. And at that time I was still just making these fun, quirky little vlogs. And he had a friend who was getting married and they needed a videographer. And, uh, and nice. he asked me if I could do it. And I'm like, I was so nervous, so nervous to shoot this wedding. And a few days before, and this was even before I agreed to it a few days before, um, the, the shoot, I had broken my thumb. And so I had this massive cast on, I didn't have a gimbal. All I had was a, was Ugh. a monopod, I think. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, how the hell am I going to put this together? And I just, I, I just remember the edit. It took, I think, I, I think it took like 30 hours because I was just trying to perfect it and make it this most beautiful thing that I possibly could make. And they really loved it. And it was a really cheap film for them <laughs> compared to uh, some of the other weddings that I've done as I got more confident and, and grew my clientele. But uh, they absolutely loved it. And it kind of just, you know, domino effect from from there i started getting a lot more referrals just from that one wedding so it worked out <laughs> <laughs> love it and zach uh we'd love to talk a little bit about you know more of maybe the corporate side or commercial side if you could talk about you know one of your client experiences there and maybe one where you had to acquire the client yourself like what was that process of building that relationship, pitching yourself, uh, and kind of winning that gig over. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think I was pretty, I was pretty blessed with kind of the way I got my clients. Um, I was taught early on that I had to do more than just become the guy with the camera. And I had to become more of a problem solver. And so that, that, right, kind of, right. that kind of process, I started learning through Lewis. Lewis House was my first big client where I started doing a lot of work. And the, the initial work that I did with him was, was absolutely for free. It was free work. And what I did was, and we had a, we had a conversation about it. He kind of talked me through it and said, you know, my network is so big. And you have to be careful because a lot of people do free work and, and they get taken advantage of. But I was yep. in... I was in pretty good hands. And so I, I feel pretty blessed about it. And he, he was the first one to really talk me through how to use free work as a tool and do it in a way that is going to be able to give you leverage out of it, whether leverage to get more clients or portfolio work or, you know, relationships, whatever it is. Um, and so I used his network and his network is just absolutely very massive <laughs> with his podcast. It's a great network. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so it opened me up to so many doors and possibilities and opportunities. And, you know, we're do, just doing a, a handful of, of, of jobs for him and doing it for free, I was able to get big time clients and, and charge a premium for those people. And I think one of the most important things you can do when doing free work 
is there, there needs to be a dialogue. There needs to be a conversation because as the person with the camera, you know, you're getting hired, but you hold the power. You know, you can say no to these people. You don't have to say yes to every opportunity. And so by saying, hey, I'm going to do free work and, and, and giving you, yourself the power, I'm doing free work because of blah, 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 blah. Um, they are now going to know, okay, he doesn't typically do free work here. Um, and, and just by having that conversation, you're going to, you're going to see better outcomes instead of just hoping, you know, the, the, the right. hoping game just doesn't work. And I think a lot of young creatives, people that get told, Hey, just do free work from like a D rock or a Gary V or something, you know, get your hands dirty and just, you know, get in the dirt and, and crush shit and do free shit. You know, there needs to be a little bit more than that. There needs to be that dialogue or that conversation. It's time for our ad break and our sponsor of the day for today's episode. Thank you, Artlist. If y'all haven't heard of them, it's time you do. I am talking about music licensing made easy. They help you with one single and simple plan starting at $199 for a full year of licensed music, no additional costs, no hidden fees, unbelievable quality. And I'm talking unlimited license for commercial, TV, podcasts, YouTube, the list goes on. Sign up today using the link in our bio at Learn Videography or in our show notes and you get two months free added onto your plan. Now get creating. when working with your clients, you know, communication is huge. You know, what kind of communication style do you prefer to have with your clients? Conversation style. Um, you know, I'm really personal. And I think that's one of the most important things you can do is just be super personable and, and, and feel like they're the only client, but also having those boundaries as well. Um, so for me, I always get on the phone. I, they have my number. I always like to get on the phone, uh, especially if they're like a first time client. I want to be able to talk to them, have a conversation, find out some of the things that they're going through so I can be more than just a person with the camera and I can actually solve their problems, be even more of like a brand strategist than just, you know, making cool shit. You know what I mean? So for me, it's, it's all about getting on the phone, I mean, email, just being a good person. And I always had a small handful of clients that I was able to um, just continue doing work for instead of having to just always go and find another client, find another client, find another client. And just by creating those really good relationships, a lot of my clients became good friends of mine. Um, And now that I don't take client work anymore, they're still friends of mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's not very sexy, you know, it's not really a strategy. Uh, A lot of people look for, you know, what's that strategy? What's going to take me to the next level? Uh, I think people need to focus on being a really good person and stepping into their shoes and solving problems as if you're hiring them, you know, getting into their shoes and, and, and figuring out why they're hiring you in the first place. Um, is, is way more important than just some kind of strategy. You know, I love the approach of solving their problems and, you know, becoming that brand strategist. But one of the things that's hard for me is you're already doing so much as a videographer. You already have so many things on your plate. So how far do you extend yourself with your clients to become that strategist to solve their problems? And then how, and then at what point do you say, sorry, like, I can't go that far. Do you know what I mean? Like, what yeah. is that balance for you? Well, I make sure that I, I keep myself in that zone of genius, right? And that zone of genius is whatever I want it to be. But more importantly, it's what I'm really good at. And it's what I want to be doing versus, you know, the things in your business that you don't necessarily want to do. So a lot of that is like editing, right? So I make sure that I try to outsource that as fast as I possibly can. And I think a lot of people, when it comes to outsourcing, they they kind of give themselves that excuse of, well, I can't afford that. Well, you actually either, well, first of all, if you can't afford it, that's fine. But there are other ways to work together with other people to get them to help you. Um, right, and if you right. do have the budget, if you do have the budget for it, then you should be 
outsourcing that as fast as humanly possible. And so many creatives get stuck in this. I have to do everything because it's my project. This is my video. This is my work. Um, instead of making it a team effort and you're never going to grow by trying to do everything and you're not good at everything. Nobody's good at everything. And even if they say they're good at everything, I, th I think they're just average at everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't, you can't get super, super, um, good and, you know, become that expert in, in everything. You just can't. So outsourcing and writing, writing down all the things that you need to do in your business and then finding ways to, to cross off things that, um, don't fill you up and, and waste a lot of time that you shouldn't be doing, focusing on the things that are going to produce results in your business versus just all these mundane tasks that are required in your business, you know? Yeah. You know, so let's say a client asks you to do something that maybe you're not familiar with. So for example, maybe set up like a, a paid click campaign on Facebook, uh, because they just have no idea and they want to use the video you just made for them through that. You know, at what point do you say, uh, I can't do that, but let me bring in a team member to assist you? Or do you just assume, sure, I can help you with that and kind of learn it offline and then work through it there? Like what approach would you take? Yeah, <laughs> I've always I've always been the guy to say yes and figure it out later. So I, yeah. I don't I don't think that's a terrible approach, but I don't promise anything. If you make a promise like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to do this for you and then you don't execute it. That's that's a big problem. Um, yeah. So you can always say like, you know, that that's something that's like a, a part of our business that we don't necessarily do, but we can add that on um, kind of like an a la carte option where it's like, you know, it's not a part of your customer journey or your business model or whatever. Um, but you can always add it in and find somebody who's really good at it and then outsource it. You can always find people that are way better at things than you are and still have it be a part of your business, still offer that value to your clients uh, without you actually having to go and learn it and do it, you know? Yep. That's how you scale. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. That's <laughs> um, it right there. Podcast is over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boom. Um, Zach, kind of going back to uh, what we were talking about, you know, just finding and acquiring clients and, and utilizing, you know, Lewis's network, you know, people always talk about networking, but how do you network in a way that will actually result in new clients? And, you know, maybe you can talk about your experience with Lewis Howes and, and how you were able to, you know, utilize his network and kind of grow and foster some relationships that obviously ended up in being f fruitful for your business as well. Yeah. Well, I think, I think first of all, it comes down to, to being really vocal kind of like we, what we talked about before is, is having that dialogue, having that conversation. And, you know, if you do end up have, having work with someone that has a huge network, there's a good chance that you are also meeting a ton of people throughout that network. And so when I would travel with him or go and, and do things in person, there were always people there that were in his circle that required the same things that I was offering. And so I was right there. And so I would have these conversations. And again, it's just like, you know, it's making friends, but more importantly, it's being a problem solver and not just being a problem solver and getting paid for it, but being a problem solver while networking, you know, think of, think of if someone, like if you had a serious problem and someone just gave you a solution and handled it for you, you'd be much more likely to give them something in return. And so right, right. I like to, I like to do the same thing with, with networking. It's, it's just providing value, but it's the value that they need at that moment in time. And, you know, if you do that enough times, you're, you're, <laughs> you're giving yourself such a higher chance of doing business yeah. with that person. Yeah. I mean, you need to explore their networks, your networks, uh, anyone that could know someone that could help you, you know, but I think a lot of that stems from, uh, you understanding who you want to connect with, you know, yeah. you don't want to just randomly say, Hey, can you connect me with a friend? It's, you want to do the, the research behind, Oh, I know this guy. And I know that he knows this person. And I really want to go that direction. And so I'm going to really kill it for this guy. And then hope that he can intro me to this person, because that's where I really want to be. So it exactly. really stems from knowing that direction, having a plan, doing uh, the work behind the scenes, uh, so you can get there because it just doesn't fall into your lap otherwise. Right. 
Every, everyone should have a, a dream client or an avatar, right? Everybody yeah, should yeah. know what, who is that person that, or that brand that you would kill to do work for. And then you know exactly who you're targeting and you can go from there. And then you can start doing some serious research on that person or that brand. Who else is connected to them? Because if you're trying to DM them, like think about how many times you send DMs to people and they just ghost you. They Maybe they don't even see it, right? But if you get connected to someone that is a good long friend or someone that has done work with them in the past that doesn't have as big of a following or is easier to get in connection with that still has a connection to your dream client, then they can, if you do something for them, then they can connect you to that dream client of yours. So it's like, you really have to look at things as like a, a spider web and, and really branch out and see, see how you can just start connecting dots. So yeah, different perspectives. You know, I- one of the things with that too, it's it's keeping those relationships and contacts alive. You know, if you work with someone once, don't just never talk to them again, you know, like make sure to follow up, make sure to stay on their, their feed so they think of you when they have another opportunity, you know, and so mm-hmm. many creators that I know, they just, they work with a client and then they'll just wait for that client to call them again. Uh, and that's just not how it works. And if you get yourself into a position like that, you're not going to be able to control your own, I think, growth of the company. And so it's really up to the creator to build that network, stay in touch with that network, nurture that network, and grow it even more on a, on a mm-hmm. daily, consistent basis going forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when the coronavirus hit, a lot of people lost a ton of clients, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to rehire you again when they have that budget or they figure out uh, a, a way for them to pivot and, and create more revenue for them. So anybody that asked me like, Oh, what do I do? You know, I told everybody like, go contact every single one of your clients yep. and just yep. ask how they're doing. You know what I mean? Yep. And just caring and seeing if they're doing okay and don't ask for anything in return, but just be that caring person and showing them that, Hey, you know, you're thinking about them and that goes such a long way. Yeah. You know, I like to take it a step further and say, hey, how can I help you? You know, you've thrown me a lot of gigs in the past. I want to be here for you because I know that if you get through this, then I'll be I'll be here for you afterwards. But I need you to get through it so you can continue to hire me, you know, and how can we chop up some footage we've already shot for you? You know, like how can we do creative things like that where that client now owes me and coming out of Corona, I need as many, you know, favors that I can pull from to get back on track. And so it's it's exactly what you're talking about, Zach. I, I love it. Uh, you know, I think one of the things a lot of creators just struggle with in general is confidence when it comes to reaching out to new clients, potential clients, you know, cold calling them. You know, let's like, w- what kind of like mentality, what kind of mindset, like how should creators approach this process of cold calling and trying to find new clients for the first time? Yeah, well, I think you have to be okay with rejection. You know what I mean? You have to you have to really embrace rejection. It's like asking out someone that you find attractive, right? Nobody does it because they're scared of looking foolish and looking stupid. And when it, when you do get rejected, it's the same thing as failure. You know, people are so afraid of just failing when there's really no such thing. It's really just a learning lesson. Something in that moment, you are learning something. You're getting a piece of really valuable information. And so if you do that enough times, think about how much shit you're going to learn from actually going out there and taking action and doing these things. You're going to learn, okay, if I say that, they might respond in that way. And okay, if I say this, well, mm, you know, they're, they're going to take it this way. You know what I mean? And by doing that more and more, uh, you're going to, you're going to get so good at being able to communicate with these people that it's just going to be, it's just going to be easy. So for this one, getting that confidence, you know, this is not a sexy answer at all. It's really just that repetition and, and going for it. And there's like, there's a lot of mindset stuff that comes with it. Um, you know, going back to your childhood and the way you were raised and some of the beliefs that you may have about business and, you know, who you are as an individual in the world. And I always tell people, this is not new, uh, stuff here, but, your beliefs are so important. The way you think about the world, the way you think about money, the way you think about business, the way you think about other people, because everything else stems from those beliefs. 
because your beliefs create your thoughts and your thoughts create your actions. And so if you have really shitty beliefs, well, you're going to have really <laughs> bad thoughts circulating. And, and what are your actions going to be? Probably inaction, probably frozen solid. You're probably stuck not doing anything. And there's a lot of people that are stuck right now and just so afraid. They're paralyzed in taking just a step because it all stems from this belief that they have about something or somebody or money or whatever it yep, is. Yep. Yep. And, you know, Zach, I, I kind of want to reverse engineer this, uh, this process a bit, you know, when we're talking about um, finding and acquiring clients. So I want to talk about maybe a time where, you know, maybe you failed at getting um, one of your dream clients or you uh, caused a relationship to fail, you know, just any advice or experience you could speak on for anyone listening here. Um, of things not to do um, when, when regarding, uh, you know, contacting or handling a client relationship? Sure. Yeah. So I had this situation where uh, I had a possibility with this startup uh, and I'm not going to drop any names, obviously, but um, I was I was talking back and forth with this startup and I think we were communicating for like two weeks. It was a long time on the phone, through email, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they were asking of me to be able to hop on a plane in about three to four days notice. So literally everything that they needed was very, very time consuming. Yeah. And so my, my, my quote, um, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? My, the quote that I gave them represented what they were asking of me. So it wasn't a cheap quote. It was a lot of time. Uh, and so after speaking with them for two weeks and then finally giving them my quote, they didn't even hit me back. They didn't even respond after communicating oh. with them for like, I don't know how many hours I spent with them, you know, getting yeah. an idea of their vision and like all these things. Right. Ooh, so yeah. from that moment on, I'm like, we got to talk about budget now, like, like as fast yeah. as possible. Let's hop on the phone. What are you guys looking at? And then we can go from there. Um, so that was a huge lesson on, on my end about, um, you know, giving them so much before figuring out where they, yeah, I mean, you know, were, how do you, uh, with yeah, how, how do you, like, when, when do you go about having that conversation with the client? Is it right the first time you're in contact with them? Is it, you know, you have a follow-up conversation and how do yeah. you generally no, bring it up in the I try, conversation? I try to do it like that very first conversation. You know, um, I asked, you know, what, what, what do they specifically need? What are they looking for and what are they looking to spend on that? Uh, and then from there I can be like, okay, well that's not, that doesn't really match the, um, the problem that you're trying to solve here. Or that doesn't really, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really match the problem or, or however, however it goes. Um, so I, I think, I think a lot of people try to like tread lightly around the budget when it needs to be a, a, a clear conversation. Forefront. And as long as, yeah. And as long as you come at it in a, in a way that you care about them getting results, you know, I don't think that is, I, I think you can talk about budget as, as soon as possible um, because you're yeah. going to get so much information from that. Right. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that uh, I want to expand a little bit more is the whole idea of getting your clients' results. You know, videographers need to understand that clients are doing this to grow their business, to increase their sales. And so it's not just another beautiful video that, you know, they're going to have the nicest lenses for and, you know, put together for like a film festival. It's really meant to get results. And so, Zach, what does results look like to you? Like, how do you speak to your clients about getting results? And how do you quantify those results? So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all about, you know, having that conversation and by asking them, Hey, you know, what are you looking to do here? What, if, if you're getting hired for some sort of like product launch, you know, how many, how many customers are you looking to get from this launch? And then you can reverse engineer that and figure out, okay, well, how much traffic do you need? What, what are your what are, what are your, um, you know, conversion rates and start, you know, kind of finding out some key information, uh, about what their typical launch is. And then, you know, 
where and and where to price it first of all and second of all you you know exactly what you need to do in order to give them what they need through those kinds of different kinds of numbers and so just by learning uh about business and and some of the things that go behind the scenes and and running a business you'll be able to communicate that to them and they'll know oh wow like you actually you're concerned about us getting a certain amount of traffic for this product line okay this guy must be this guy knows what he's talking about this guy must be serious you know um so i I think studying some of those numbers and again not being just the guy with the camera right think about how many times creatives just try to make cool shit for these brands and influencers well all the time you're not going to get paid what you want to get paid by just doing that you have to go above and beyond and by being a bigger problem solver in that sense you're going to get paid bigger yeah you know i think a question that we've been asking a lot of our guests and uh even kyle and i have been debating a lot is what kind of skill set in terms of like a breakdown do you need as a, as a videographer to succeed these days and for an example is it like 60% knowing how to shoot, use a camera and 40% video marketing, or is it mm-hmm. 80% shooting 20%? Like, what do you think is a healthy breakdown for videographers to really succeed uh, today? I think it's whatever you want to do. I mean, if business and things are like, you just hate numbers and you don't want to have anything to do with it, get a partner that knows numbers and wants to be around numbers. You know what I mean? You don't have to do this alone. You can partner up with one, two, three other people and not be that person. Um, but you know, if you're just starting out and you want to do this, um, kind of by, well, I mean, if you, you're really, really just starting out, I think the camera skill sets is less important than having business knowledge because so many people are talented, right? Think about how many people know how to shoot, especially with YouTube being a free resource and all these courses and things coming out, it's very easy to learn how to uh, produce high quality stuff, especially with the equipment nowadays and our phones getting better. Like, you know, a lot of these clients that I've done work for or just, or, or have hired people that I know of are not really asking a lot in terms of quality. And obviously it depends who you want to shoot for. Like if you're doing like a Nike or Adidas campaign, that's, you know, obviously that's different. different. Yeah. It's way different. So different. But if you're doing stuff for a social content, you know, social content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just not nearly as important as we all believe it is. So, I mean, look at those videos where people are literally just filming themselves walking through their office, you know? Right. Yeah. Think about all work. Yeah. I mean, there's, (laughs) it does. (laughs) I mean, if you're, if, if a business is trying to get traffic, I mean, that's so broad, but like, you don't, you don't need uh, the Canon EOS R5 8K, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, 12K, yeah, there, yeah, it, it's just, it's not necessary. So, but again, it all comes down to what type of work do you actually want to do? Because yeah. um, that's going to determine what camera gear you get. It's going to determine a lot of different things. Yeah, you know, I, that goes to a lot of what we talked about in episode one and two, which is just thinking about who you want to be, what kind of videos you want to shoot, what kind of niche you want to work on as a videographer, uh, and then really thinking about who that clientele is, who that customer is, and how you can best deliver videos and results for that niche specifically. Um, You know, Kyle, what do you think about this? Yeah, and and, uh, building off of that, Zach, I'm I'm kind of curious, you know, you talked earlier about how you kept your list of clientele pretty small. So I want to dive into dive into that more, you know, why did you do that? And what's the importance of kind of, you know, looking for those higher scale clients um, that are going to allow you to scale and get those bigger budgets? Want to just talk about that that thought process and, and how you're able to foster those kind of relationships? Yeah, so I think I think what's really cool when you start working with individuals and and start working with brands that are kind of near that like startup stage is that you can really grow with them, right? So for me, I was working with people that, you know, they still made a lot of money as an individual, but as a business, they weren't 
bringing in hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And so them working with a videographer was still, you know, somewhat new. And so I was in a unique position where, you know, I could help make them grow. And as they grew, the budgets grew and I grew, I grew with my clients. And I think that's probably the, I think that's the, like the easiest way you could do it really just trying to think, you know, it takes a while. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a long term game, you know what I mean? And, and I think anybody trying to just get that quick success is, is they're just gonna kind of slowly but surely drop off eventually. Um, yeah. and playing that long game is, is so key. So being able to just grow with your clients is, is everything. And, and especially if you start off small and you give them massive results, you know, they're going to be way more likely to give you a bigger budget and give you way more creative freedom time and time again. Yeah. You know, what does that look like though? You know, you have a, probably a reoccurring client that's every month is like a $2,000 video. How do you talk to them to maybe up that budget to like take that next step? You know, what do those conversations look like? Um, yeah. So for me, it's, it's really just being super creative and seeing how you can advance whatever they're doing and, and trying to go, go bigger. Um, and especially if they're coming up with like a, if they're coming to you with some sort of problem that they're having, like, um, usually when, when brands and and influencers, the people that I've been able to work with, they, they talk about the symptoms of what's going on in their business, right? They don't necessarily talk about the specific problem, especially when you're working with someone brand new. So like if you're, if you're, you know, if a stranger is walking down the street and you bump into them and you start sparking a conversation and they tell you, oh man, like, I have a, I have a headache right now. I, my head is just kind of throbbing. I don't really feel so good. That's a symptom, right? They, they're not going to tell you, oh, my, my left cortex in my brain or whatever is this and that only uh, unless you're a, a health profession, right? Or a doctor. So when you're solving problems for brands, you have to hear what their symptoms are. And so when I was working with clients, I would hear, oh man, we're just, you know, we're not really growing our, our audience. We can't seem to grow our audience right now. Right. Well, that's a symptom because the actual problem is stuff that they're doing behind the scenes. That's not being shown. They're not talking about it. So maybe they, they don't have a good content strategy for producing content. Maybe they don't know who they're targeting specifically and in their world, they just see, well, you know, my, our audience just is stuck. It's not growing. So you have to take their symptoms and you have to dissect it and find out, okay, what's the actual problem here? And then go from there. Does that make sense? Kind of. So, yeah. 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 So it's, it's, I, I know I keep repeating myself, but it's, it's, you know, you're finding these kind of tells. I like it. Yeah. And you say, hey, like, you know, this is, ha- yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to ramble now, but you get what I'm, I think you get what I'm saying. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. So I um, want to talk a little bit more about just overall scaling your business. Um, so I guess kind of scenario aspect, you know, you're starting to acquire more clients. Maybe um, it's starting to get anxious, the amount of emails and edits and just various shoots you have to go to and just work through. What is what does that process look like you for scaling, Zach? You know, when is the right time to bring in additional help and hands. Um, and I guess, yeah, just want to talk a little bit more about your personal journey and process and what you would kind of recommend through that experience for, for our listeners here. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I think a lot of people, including myself had this belief that you couldn't hire someone unless you're rich. Right. Um, it was just kind of this I don't know. And you guys might feel differently, but I just, I thought you had to be like a multi, multi, multi millionaire to be able to bring on somebody (laughs) full time or bring on somebody part time. Right. Um, and, and for me over, over the past handful of years, I learned that it's just, that is simply not the case. And we talked a little bit about this already, but 
if you have zero budget, you can find people to that you don't have a skill. If, if you don't have a certain skill set, find somebody that does and see how you can provide them value and they can provide re- value for you in return. And that's it. That's if you're just starting out. If you're getting a little bit, a little bit higher than that, well, there's people all over the world in the Philippines and certain you know countries where you can hire them for five dollars an hour, six, seven dollars an hour. That they are perfectly, they are stoked about because that is a lot more money that they're used to in that specific type of country. You can provide these people with really good amount of money that doesn't seem like a lot for you. So for me, when you're scaling, you have to write out a a complete list of every single process that your business has, every little task. I shouldn't even say process. I should just say task. Every little task you have to do in order to keep it running, you have to write that down and then um, take those things and find somebody that can actually do it. And, and I was able to do that in the Philippines. I was, I, I would, that's where I get virtual assistants and things. And I would slowly but surely just take these things off my plate at five, six, seven, eight dollars an hour. Things like emails, things like, you know, onboarding a client, um, you know, that whole process, just these, these tasks that don't require that much creative thinking. And just by taking that off your plate, you're going to have so much more room in your mind for focusing on revenue generating activities, things that actually produce results for your business. And so that, I mean, you can do that a lot sooner than you think just simply hiring a virtual assistant in the Philippines or, or wherever. Yeah. How much of it is just like, I guess, you know, that simple in the sense of it's kind of just this about the sound design, different areas like that. Right. Well, for, for me, it, it, it all comes down to communication. So a lot of these tasks, you, you have to think of yourself as the visionary. And you have to think of yourself as the person with the big ideas. You're the person that is actually going to produce big time results for your business. And so things like editing, things like sound design, you know, if you can communicate exactly what you need, you know, things like editing can become more like manual labor, right? Or if you really don't want to give someone full the that full edit, you can even have them just skim down, trim down the project file so that you have at least something to work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about how many hours it takes to do that. How many hours to get a rough cut done yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I know. I know. (laughs) I know, you know, I know, you know, um, you know, a lot, I think I just, I don't think people really take the time to think how much time they're wasting by doing all these things, being that kind of that lone wolf. And an an exercise that I like to do is break down um, how much money you want to make in a year and find out from that how much you're worth per hour. And by finding out how much you're worth per hour coming from the amount of money that you truly want to make, you'll be able to realize, hey, I'm worth $85 an hour. So every single thing I do, ask yourself, is this really worth $85? And by asking yourself that simple question, you'll really start realizing, oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be answering this email. Maybe I shouldn't yeah. be, um, you know, texting this person back and forth. Wh- whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to come up with certain tasks, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. You know, I think workflow tools in general can just help automate so much of the the back end work that goes into creating a business and running a videography business. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of what you mentioned is know when to scale, know when to build processes to process new clients, to onboard them, to communicate with them, to download the raw footage, put up backups, you know, uh, and have that in place. So it's a new video is kind of like, all right. It's a quarter going in a machine and it's just going down and then all out comes the reward, you know, and like get it to a point where you could really do that and continue to try and step yourself away from the process as much as you want to, as much as you can. And then you can really start to have a scalable system where you can step back and say, okay, I got this workflow in place now and I can really dedicate my time onto the things I really love and I could dedicate my time on finding new clients. 
uh, and building this business bigger. Uh, and I think that's how creators are allowed to or enable themselves to turn their hobby into a really thriving business that they can have for years to come. Absolutely. I think I think you said a key thing there is automate. That's something I didn't that I forgot to mention is there's so much new technology and certain programs and apps that you can download to start automating things. So you don't even have to hire someone necessarily right away. You could just find these programs, you know, like HoneyBook or whatever. I don't know if you guys are, is it HoneyBook or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it handles all your invoicing can handle emails, you know, the whole onboarding process, you know, just investing in a simple tool like that can take up, um, or eliminate hours of, of your time. Um, so yeah, automation, yeah. delegating and, or, or just eliminating it from your life. Those three options are, are going to be yeah, your, yeah. your best friends. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, let's quickly talk about online marketing and paid ads. Uh, you know, as a videographer from that standpoint of, Hey, I'm looking to grow my business. Uh, I just created a new spec commercial for a fitness uh, niche and I'm trying to get more fitness clients. What do you think about putting paid marketing behind that spec commercial to get out into the world and how would you approach that? For spec work specifically? Well, I think just in general, trying to get more work while leveraging one of the projects that you recently shot. Yeah, no, I think I think Facebook ads are huge. I think I think Facebook ads are better for like wedding type of clients because it's just more of, it's more of like a, uh, it's more of the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, like a wedding video is a wedding video and obviously you can get more creative with it, but the consumer, the, the wedding couple, they, they kind of, you know, they want a certain type of wedding video that you could display to them through Facebook ads. I I think that's, I think if you're a wedding filmmaker or photographer, I think that's a, fantastic idea i don't think that's a bad investment at all i think for other state as well a real estate too yeah absolutely um i think i think for things that are more unique where it's like a certain um, what if you're targeting uh, a fitness brand like gymshark what if you wanted to work for gymshark if i wanted to work with gymshark i would go the relationship route i wouldn't even mess with facebook ads personally yep especially with my uh my, my old fitness network. Right. Um, yeah. So I, that, that's just me personal. I, I don't know. You guys might have a different opinion on that. Um, but you know, uh, we, we had somebody in my careers blueprint program. Um, he created a video editing service at a, an affordable rate, nothing super creative, um, more of just handling that, that bulk and repurposing content. It's that alone is a very, um, it's people, people need that service a lot these days because people are doing a lot more of long, long form content with podcasts. They have speeches and things like that. And so he created the zoom calls. Exactly. So he, he created a solution where he's like, I'll take all your old content. I'm going to chop it up and make something new and fresh with it. And I'm only going to charge you this per month. And you've actually seen, I've seen ads for those people, a lot more frequently. So those types of businesses are starting to pop up, but I think it's a brilliant idea. So in that sense, creating a service in that way, uh, creating ads for that and marketing to certain influencers, entrepreneurs, people that need those, those editing services at at an affordable rate. Maybe they don't want to get a, a, uh, uh, you know, a full-time, creative on their team. They just need right, someone right. To, to handle that bulk. In that sense, I think Facebook ads are huge. Um, but for stuff like like a Gymshark, um, I think going the relationship route, especially through their influencer marketing, they've got so many people that are connected inside of the Gymshark brand. Um, yep, yep. So you, you would have a much easier time going, going that route. So that's just my opinion. Definitely. And so I guess like put a little scenario here out, out out here so let's say you had you know it was a videographer just starting out um had a decent amount of clientele and so he had allocated $200 a month for ads but you know however after having this conversation you know you're convincing him to to put his money elsewhere if he's going to go after Gymshark and Nike Adidas some of these big brands 
where would you put that money? Where would you invest that? Would it be in camera gear? Would it be, you know, um, updating software to automate your business practices? Would it be hiring an outside uh, resource for emails or cold calling? Like what, Mm -hmm. what would that look like for you? I think, I think putting that money towards hiring someone is, is number one, because obviously you're going to get your time back, but the amount of communication that you have to do, the amount of stuff that goes into hiring someone, you know, when people think when hiring someone, they're just going to automatically get their time back. It's so false. You actually go about two steps backwards before you can start making momentum because you have to teach this person. You have to coach this person on exactly what you need. And so many people lack the skill set of really clear communication. So you have to learn communication. You have to become a leader. And I mean, think about how many introverts are, are filmmakers, filmmaker, yeah. Uh, yeah. photographers and that are They so don't really introverts. know how to delegate. They don't know how to delegate. Yeah. They don't know how to necessarily communicate. They team. want to. Yeah, yeah. And so just by hiring like a simple VA you're going to learn so much. You're going to have to become that leader and start to break out of your shell. And because of that, you're also going to be able to communicate with these brands in in a lot more confident way. So hiring, I I tell people to hire as fast as possible because yes, you're going to get your time back in the, in, in the long term, but you're going to also learn extremely valuable skills. Um, when communicating with these people and then you have to coach them and create a process for them and for them to complete for you. So there's just, there's so many different things that you learn that are essential for growing and eventually scaling when you're ready. And, you know, Zach, we talk about scaling. I want to toss a little curveball here. So this kind of, uh, you know, might seem backwards to some listeners, but (laughs) sometimes when you're trying to scale, uh, it makes more sense to drop off clients to let them mm-hmm. go or to maybe, you know, as you kind of, uh, as you did, uh, you kind of, you know, gave up clientele work for coaching full time, um, maybe giving up photography and going videography full time. Let's talk a little bit about, um, that process of, you know, scaling and knowing when to, when to drop off a side hustle or when to say no to a client. Yeah. Well, you know when to say no to a client is is when they're really sucking your energy, right? When they're when they start to suck <laughs> like your that. energy, yeah. When they start to, and you know it too because you just dread doing work for them. Whenever whenever you start to dread doing work for somebody, that person has got to go. Uh, but a lot of people because a lot of people fear saying no because they think they're losing something. But and what's they actually need the money. And they yeah. just need the money. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great point. But what's actually happening is you're making room in your schedule, in your mind for a bigger opportunity. So whenever you say no to something, you're saying you're actually saying yes to something else and you just don't realize it yet. And I think a lot of people have problems with that because it's just not tangible. It's not tangible yet. It's like, right. it's also it's the same thing as hiring someone. When you hire someone, it's not necessarily tangible. Yes, you're getting that person, but what you're paying for is time back into your life. And that doesn't feel tangible. Time does not feel tangible. And so it's, um, it's, it's an essential part. You, you need to be able to let go and, and, and just kind of let go of the fear, let go of the expectations and, and kind of trust the process. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I love about this so much is as a videographer, it's normally a a one-person business, and that means that you're always doing business on your phone. Whenever people call you on the weekends, it's it's really hard to find that work-life balance. But if you're able to delegate, if you're able to build a team, if you're able to build processes around your company, it takes time away from all that busy work so you can have a more relaxed life you can enjoy the weekend you can have certain things that you want to do to find that work life you can balance. be a videographer so you could be a videographer exactly you know like <laughs> that's right you, that's you're right. doing this because you love to do it you know and sometimes the business the marketing all that stuff can really weigh down on you and it's like shoot why am i even doing this anymore and so you need to make sure that first and foremost you're doing what you love to do 
And if there are yeah. other things that are getting in your way, to your point, Zach, find ways to automate them, find ways to outsource them, find ways to continue to do what you love, uh, and then find ways to free yourself up so you have a healthy life balance so you can mm. focus on the future. You know, you don't want to burn out. You don't want to run that hamster wheel for years and then say, shoot, what happened? You know, it's, mm. it's really important to find that balance. Yeah. And, and just to speak on, on saying no again, you know, every being able to like look back at my life and seeing the pivotal moments in my career, every single time I, I had a massive up level, I had to let something go. And it was extremely mm -hmm. difficult yeah. to let it go. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have grown. And, and one of those was in an, in an entire revenue stream, which was my clients. You know, I didn't 2019, I told myself, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to take on a single client. That's it. I'm not doing it. And it made me want to throw up and, and, and sh yeah, you know, shit crazy. my brains out, excuse my language. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I had to just let that go and literally just trust the process and it freed up so much time that I could dedicate to the thing that I was really trying to uh, launch and excel in. And uh, so many people get stuck because it's, it's extremely uncomfortable. It's scary. It's very scary. Yeah. And so, Zach, could you, uh, you know, as, as we're kind of working to, to wrap things up here, could you maybe talk a little about um, any quick tips you might have for our, our videographers listening here? Um, anything you might have learned, wish you would have learned early on in your journey? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Let me think on that. Beginner tips, things that I've learned. Um, I think... I think it's extremely important to connect with as many creatives and artists as you possibly can. You know, I, right. I was, I, I'm an introvert, I'm an introvert at heart. And that was something that was really difficult for me is, is connecting with people and putting myself out there. And over time, as I just kind of decided to break out of my shell and connected with more creatives, um, we tossed each other work all the time. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but yep, I, I've given away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've given away thousands of dollars to yep. creative friends of mine that I trusted that would, that would do a fantastic job. And so if I was just getting started again and I was trying to get into these circles, I would first try to connect with as many talented creatives as I possibly could and get into these circles. And not only are you going to, get work from them and, and, and pass that, you know, uh, you know, pass work around and whatnot, but you're also going to yeah. learn from each other too. I mean, think about when you guys started, um, you know, networking and connecting with a really talented filmmaker and just seeing the way they shot certain things, you could kind of see their eye. I don't know if you guys did like photo walks ever, like with just like a small group of, of creatives, but I used to do these photo walks where we would take street photography and I was the worst one in the group, which was amazing because yeah, I was just, blessing. <laughs> yes, I, I was just soaking everything in like a sponge Hell and yeah. all these, all these guys would stop and I would be the only guy to keep walking. And they stopped because they saw something that I didn't. And I would turn around and I'd be like, oh, holy shit. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's just a little tangent there, but, um, I think that's no, I so important. It. it goes a long way though. You know, it, those referrals, they can send you referrals. You can send them referrals. They can help with behind the scenes footage on set. I mean, it's, you know, if you need to borrow gear, certain things, if you have questions about shooting videos, like you really got to have that network of other shooters that you can turn to, that you can rely on, that you can trust. Uh, it goes with building your company, you know, growing it, adding, you know, shooters to bigger, bigger videos that you're getting started with. So, Hundred percent agree. Absolutely love it, um, Kyle. Any finishing thoughts here on your side? Um, no, just uh, yeah, man. Would just love to get uh, your kind of parting thoughts, Zach. You know, any any final thoughts you have for uh, our listeners here? Um, last pieces of advice. Um, yeah, I just I think people need to start getting their hands dirty and and just continue to do 
the work and get out there and, and fail at things and, and receive that feedback because all of that are, are just little learning lessons that's going to help you so, so much. And also when you start figuring out kind of the direction that you want to go and just become really intentional with the things that you do throughout your day-to-day process. I mean, so many people are doing all these different things that aren't really getting them results. They're just either in reaction mode, trying to just keep up and, you know, build their audience and and just try to create content and, and, oh, I haven't posted in a while, so I got to get a post out. Let's let's just quickly create a post. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think people need to just hit the pause button and really just be, think about where you want to go. What are you trying to do? Um, and become really intentional with your days and just focus on simply one thing that's going to move the needle forward and whatever you're trying to do. Just what's one thing I can do today that's really going to move the needle. And once you finish it, then you can do the post on Instagram. Then you can go and, and shoot whatever it is that you want to shoot for your YouTube video or, or whatever. Um, but get that one thing done that's essential. Essential, Absolutely essential. love it. Zach, thank you so much for dropping all this knowledge on this podcast today. This was fun, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. I love what you guys are doing. I'm excited to keep following. Yes, sir. Uh, For all of our listeners out there, in our next episode, we'll be diving into buying gear as a videographer, along with all the must-haves to get your videos rocking. As always, you could follow us on Instagram at Learn Videography and at Industry Jump, and you could follow our special guest at Zach Kravis along with Kyle at Cal Visuals and JJ at JJ Anglert. Also, make sure to check out Industry Jump and make a free video portfolio if you haven't already. It is the best way to learn new skills, gain more exposure, and apply to jobs. Other than that, this is Learn Videography signing out. Later.